I'm good. All right. You can visit some more if you want to. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, here. Yeah. That's the way Art Linkletter used to say it. How are you? How are you? How are you? Most of you should understand what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, so this is the last time you'll see this up here. And I'll get to what we're talking about next week at the end. So I'll hold out. So, come a long ways on this one. It's a study that uh, really looked at Christ's life, and I think it took three years. <laughs> oh. Oops, helps if you turn it on. So, it's final appearances, at least the ones that we have recorded. So in John, and a lot of this is in John, a lot more of it's in John than it is in the other books, but some of them I'm going through and introducing with one book and then going back to John. So, a week later, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. This is where uh, Doug had left off and he, he kind of, hurried through it, so I figured I'd touch on it again. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So where are they at? Were the disciples, were they gathered? Upper room. Same place they were the week before. What city? Jerusalem. Somebody said it. So why has Jesus come to him again? To make him believe. Because Thomas was a doubting Thomas. He didn't believe in anything. Thomas wasn't there last time. He came for Thomas. He came for the other disciples, but he came for Thomas. So what proof did Thomas need? Well, that was what he said. But what did he really need? All he had to do was see him. He didn't put his hands in his, in his side. He didn't put his fingers in the nail holes. He said, you're him. I don't need to do that. But he still had to see him. What's, what is it that we have to have that Thomas lacked? Faith. Faith. He's not going to appear to us directly. You may see Jesus and everybody around us how they do things, how they've changed. Particularly if you knew somebody before they were a Christian and now that they're a Christian, you'll see them if you're looking. But Thomas had to see him manifested. And Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. We have this book that is like no other book. Millions of books have been written. None of them have the power 
that this book has. It's called the good book because there's good news in there for man. It's called the Holy Bible because it's the word of the living God given to us. I think sometimes people look at it like a normal book. You read a story. It could be a story about, you know, somebody uh, that's having problems or a detective novel or whatever. Those are stories. Yeah. You go down the road and you see the sign that says, For God so loved the world. And people say, that's all you need. Then why did he put all this other stuff in here? To show us that it takes more than just saying, I believe, to be saved. That you have to really believe. And it's not just a, you start out with a little and it grows as you get further into the word, but this book has the power to save. And it's the bread, it's the water, it's the living bread, the living water. It's, it's something that no other book has. And I think sometimes we treat it like it's just a story. And we're here assembled, but God is with us, he says. That when we study his word, He's, he's right here. And, you know, the, the story we're reading about the, the unbelief that Jesus, when he was alive and he, went, he traveled around, there were people that heard him but didn't believe him. They, they just were having trouble making that leap, so to speak. And that's the one that we have to make. And, and your, your, you know, your comment, you said people say, well, God so loved. Some people get a perspective to say, God's here to serve me. No, we're here to serve him. And it's a, it's a perspective problem. When people say, here, God didn't do this for me. Well, there's reasons probably he didn't do it, but God's not here to serve you. You're here to serve him. If you have the heart of a servant. So it's, it, part of it's perspective of the world to say, let's take a piece of it and say this is what it says. I'm impressed by the fact that it's a book that's been around for, well, somewhere close to 2,000 years. It's still being read. Yeah, not only that, but it, it normally, on a normal year, it is the number one selling book. Yeah, it is. Yep. But name another book, 2,000 years old, that people by in large are still reading. How many times have you had a book, you read it, and you read it again? But this one you read again. Yep. And you find something you didn't see before. It's a big difference. Well, that's why it's, I think, referred to as the living word. The living word. Yep. It's alive, and, and if we let it live in us, we are alive. Yep. And if we don't, we're dead. Yep. And the, you know, Isaiah 55, is, he talks about seek the Lord while he may be found. That he can be if you seek him out. It also says that his ways are higher than our ways. We can't understand God's ways except what we read right here. Anything that I could ever know about God, i got to read right here. I, it's not, you know, he doesn't, you know, talk directly to us like he did at one. Yeah. Except through this book. Sorry. And, and, he, and each other's, you know, 
think there's an inspiration going on where we can help each other understand more about it. Absolutely. And that's part of the reason for coming together is, is, to, is to learn and grow, grow in them. Okay, so I'm going to get through this this morning, hopefully. <laughs> no, no, don't shut up. Don't you do that. Don't shut up. Okay, so in Galilee. Then, well, yeah, which is what I just said. Uh, then the, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And this is out of Matthew, so this is, there's a point behind this, but I'll get to it. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So where did they go when they left Jerusalem, and why? Went to Galilee because he told them. Yeah, that's a softball question. Why do you think some still doubted? Who do you think still some still doubted? There's no wrong answer. Because we don't know. It's probably the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or the people that felt their authority and stayed right on them. But this is the eleven. This is the eleven. Some just were having a hard time making that leap. They saw him. They watched him eat, which he did in the upper room the first time. They saw his body. Why would you think they would doubt? That wasn't up there, but. It's still weird. It's still weird, yeah. Yeah, Sharon. I think they got the human part of us. You know, that, that part we do. We, yeah, we, we, we see it, but. But it's kind of, yeah, kind of hard to believe that. Okay. I took a, a, a timeline wrote down the, you know, to understand the questions they were asking Jesus about the kingdom and stuff and their knowledge and thought about it before the cross and after the cross. And you see, they had a concept that the physical kingdom was going to be established forever. And that was so entrenched into the Hebrew mind that they, they saw the Messiah as a king over the super king, yeah, over the over the kingdom of Israel again. That's, that's it's exactly what I was thinking. Is in their minds to say, how is he going to be our physical king? Look at him, okay, he's got holes in him, <laughs> all right, and he appears and then he's gone and like that. How's that going to? How are we going to have our kingdom? How's he going to be our king if he's doing that? And I think that's still in their head. They're saying it's not working out the way it's supposed to. And it's like. It's working out exactly how it's supposed to. Yes? Well, it's, yeah, that's why all the books practically that you read in the New Testament, the problem that the, the Hebrews were having, which were the, the descendants of, uh, or the, the Jewish people were having, was that concept of this is not a physical kingdom yeah. and a physical thing that uh, Jesus came to do. It was a spiritual kingdom that he was going to set up. And they... That was, that runs through uh, many of the books, like uh, Hebrews, for example, you know, talks about all these old sacrifices that they did were not pleasing to God. That that wasn't Jesus' purpose to redo those sacrifices. Right. Right. 
And, and you're going to have a good segue when you're talking about kingdom, because that's what we study next. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So, what insight do we get from Matthew's account? Not much. A little. But that's it. Next thing is he ascends. What point in time does Matthew seem to jump to? But he's still going to be with them to the end of the next age also. But what he's jumped to is, is go, go to the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was the day of Pentecost. So Matthew went from basically a couple weeks to 50 days, 50 days in a blink. But John doesn't do that. John gives you a lot more information. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, and, the two, other, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go out with you. So they went out, got in the boat, that night, they caught nothing. I've had fishing trips like that. So, where is this account of Jesus visiting or going to visit? What's the question? Where, where is this account of where Jesus is visiting the disciples now? Last time they were in, in Jerusalem. Where are they now? Who's gathering together? It's more. Okay. And we're going to get to that one out of early in Luke. But it's not 11. If you count it up, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, Zebedee, the sons of Zebedee, which is five, and two others. So it's seven out of the 11. Matthew's not there. Bartholomew's not there. Well, we don't know who the other two are, but there's only seven of the 11. It wasn't six, it was seven. What did the six, seven had gathered to do? Go fishing. Go fishing. So how'd it go? Not well. No fish. Fish all night. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not really realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. 
So how long have they been fishing? <laughs> All night. All night, okay. About eight, 10 hours, something like that. Probably about 10 hours. Okay, if you were fishing all night and you hadn't caught anything, how would you feel about somebody, hey, caught any fish? <laughs> they go, oh, come on. <laughs> Who are you, you know? Why have they not caught any fish? There was a lesson to be learned. I don't think it was just there, just an unlucky night. I think there was to demonstrate who he was. So why would they be willing to throw their nets out one more time? They're rolling in. It's the morning. They're pooped. They've been fishing all night. They haven't caught squat. And they got a guy. And they don't know who he is. He's already asked them a question they didn't want to hear. He says, put your nets down on the right side. You get a lot of fish. Would you be willing to? So I say, hey, well, we're here. Throw it out, you know? Fishermen just don't like to give up. That's true. That's true. That's where you get fish stories from. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him said, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. They were not far from shore, about a hundred yards, which, by the way, is fairly far if you jump in the water. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So who's the disciple Jesus loved? John, softball question. Who was the first to believe it was Jesus who was speaking to them? Softball question, John. John was the one who recognized it first. Out of the seven, he was. So what was Peter's response to John's declaration? It's the Lord. But he heard him say it was the Lord. He heard John say, it's the Lord. What did Peter do? A Peter thing. Put a garment around him, which means he got wetter. <laughs> he was heavier. And he just started walking towards him. At this time, he didn't stay on top of the water, I don't believe. He sunk. So he's swimming. However they swim, he was swimming. So how about how far were they from the from the from the Peter? When Peter got in the water, how far were they away from the shore? You said hundred yards. Football field. That ain't close. <laughs> it is no wonder he couldn't tell who it was that was on the shore. If you're if you're football field away from somebody, you may not be able to know who it is. So what did the other disciples do? Brought the boat and the fish. They're dragging his net behind him. Who fixed the meal? Jesus. Yeah. And there's a reason there's fish and bread. 
This is the one you talked about. One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked them to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said, he said to Simon, which is Peter, put out of the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. So they were more willing to let down the nets the second time than the first time. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said to him, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he had his companions astonished at the fish they had taken. So there were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So that answers your question. It was three of the seven were original partners. And they saw the same thing. But the one who hit it first was John when he saw it again. Back to the account of John. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore, which was impressive considering it was a net full of 153 fish. It was a large fish. But there were so many, the net was not torn. So there's a little difference there. The last time there were so many fish, the nets were torn. This time they were not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Now, now this was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Okay, what did Jesus ask for? What did Peter do? Get more fish. Get more fish. Okay, get, bring me some fish. So he brought 153. That's Peter. <laughs> That's Peter. That is his personality. So what did John seem to be surprised for, with as far as the catch? What impressed him? Remember, John was there the first time, and he's here this time. But something impressed John that he wrote it in here. What was it? How are the nets? They didn't get torn. They did the first time, but they didn't get torn. Okay, they dared not do something. Why? No wrong answer on this one. It's a point of discussion. What did they dare not do and why? They dared not look at him and say, you are Jesus, aren't you? You are Lord, right? Why? Yeah. 
There is no wrong answer on this one because it doesn't say why. I don't think they could fathom it. Okay, so they're, they're asking, who are you? They, none of the disciples dare to ask him, who are you? Okay. Yeah. And it may be because they said, it's him. I should know it's him. It's the third time he's come. That would be a stupid question for me to ask. And I'm embarrassed to ask it. So nobody's going to ask it. Because it shows I don't have faith. No, yeah, because they didn't recognize him. How can, it, how can it be? I don't know. I don't recognize you, but it's you, isn't it? You know, that's, that's us. We doubt things. Some, somehow, either he was different or somehow it was, you know, on the road to, uh, with the two men or whether when, when he was in um, Capernaum when they tried to throw him off the cliff. We don't know. But for whatever reason, they did, but they didn't. Well, keep in mind that at that time, they... Uh, did not follow everything Jesus told them. No. They didn't, they never understood why he was there and where he was going. And now we're gonna all of a sudden not question him? That's difficult. It's, it's yeah, it, 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 you know, if it is God, you don't want to say, are you God? Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're, they're kind of in a quandary. I mean, they're, they, they are probably kind of coming along, but they're not there. How long was Jesus here after his resurrection going around talking? 40, 40 days. 40 days. Okay. 40 days, okay. When's Pentecost? I'm going to ask this later, but I'll ask it now. How long is Pentecost after Passover? 50 days. So he was here just about up until Pentecost, visiting. And we don't have all the accounts. We have a little bit of it. John's got the most, and it isn't a lot. So, how do you think Jesus took the bread and the fish and gave it to him? How? Like the Sermon on the Mount? After he got through talking? Remember the fish and the loaves? He always had a way that he did things. At that particular point, it should have been the clincher. Huh? Yeah. Okay, which visit was this? This is softball. Third. It's the third one, okay? So he's been there three times. He's been in the upper room twice. And this is the third one. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, 
do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So I wrote this one up. Jesus asks with agape for the first two. With philea for the third. Peter responds all three times with philea. What's the difference between agape and philea? Agape's kind of a general love for all. Philea's a brother, yeah. family. Family, brother. Close is philea. It's philea here, but philea, philea. What's the difference in how Jesus asks and how, and why does he choose a different word? The third time. He uses philea. Only the third time. He uses agape the first two. Right. Philea is, would be would be the brotherly close, I'll do anything for your love. It was Philea? Both of them were Philea. Both. Both were Philea. It was with Agape? Huh? Which one is Agape? Agape was Jesus asking, Do you love me? in the first two times, and okay. that's Agape. The third time, he said, Do you love me, my brother? Will you do anything in the world for me? Brought it home. Said, You're going to have to do things. He knew he was going to have to do things that were going to be tough. Let me tie into the second one. How do you think Peter feels after being repetitively asked, do you love me? He wasn't real happy. Peter was hurt. Yeah. Okay. Don't you know it? Last question. You know everything. Yeah. You know that I love you. Is that going to be your three times strike a familiar chord? Three denials. Three denials. It's almost like it's a... His reinstatement of, of, of Peter. It is his reinstatement. The whole point for him coming for this visit was for Peter to reinstate him, to bring him back. And he, he, he was coming back, but it was, I think this is a tie. He denied him three times. Christ asked him, do you love me? Three times. I think he was really trying to get Peter's attention. And this particular when he, he asked him a different way that third time to say, do you really, really love me? Didn't say, because you denied me three times. But trying to bring him in to say, Okay, this is going to be a tough road. Yes, Steve? It was like a reconciliation. It's really what it was. It, yeah. It is, it's a reconciliation. Bring them back in to say, you're it. You're back. You're back all the way. Because they haven't had this discussion in the first two. The first, first one and the second one, the first one was to all ten of the eleven. The second one was really to bring Thomas along. This one is to bring Peter along. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, 
you dressed yourself, and you went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would, would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So when was Peter going to die? When he's older. That's all we know. What conditions is he going to be living in? It looks like he's in prison. It looks like he's been blinded. Needs help to do anything. He's been he's being Ted taken somewhere he didn't want to go. Don't know what it is. Could be somewhere to be crucified. Could be somewhere to be burned alive. We don't know. But he will be old. Older than he is right now. Yeah. Church history says that, uh, that um, they, they killed his wife in front of him before they crucified him. Yeah, there's history that says he got... Him, I think Peter was the one that says that he was crucified upside down and all kinds of things like that. That may be where he was being led that it refers to here. But how will Peter's death glorify God? What was being done to the Christians? Maybe you'd save your life. Persecution. Deny him. Renounce him. Which is what Peter did three times. What he's saying is, you go, to your, you go to your death and you will not deny me ever again because you love me. And that will glorify God. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Kind of like kids. <laughs> so why did Peter ask, well, how's John going to die? Maybe guilt, maybe saying, well, is it any better for him? I mean, what he just told about how he's going to die is not good news. And he noticed John was following. So he said, what about him? How's he going to die? Maybe curiosity. Is he going to, is, is he going to, you know, sometimes misery loves company. Is he going to be just as miserable in his death that I am? How did Jesus answer his question? Is none of your business. <laughs> That's kind of what he said. He didn't really directly answer it, but he says, none of your business. What happens with him is none of your business. So what might someone infer from Jesus' answer as far as John's death? Yeah. 
I'll be violent. When he said, if I want him to remain alive, alive until I return. That was not his expectation. That's true. But the inference is here. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that the disciple would not die. That's not what he said. But that's what spread among the rumors. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to, see, to these things and who wrote them down. We do not know, we know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were not written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So remember, this is John writing it. And John heard these rumors. And John, so John addressed it here to say, that's not what he said. He said, if I wanted to. Now, how did John die? Where did John die? Huh? Nope. That was John the Baptist. It was a John on the Isle of Patmos. He died of natural causes, from what we know. He, I mean, he wrote the book of Revelation, and it was around the end of that first century. So it was very late in that first century. He possibly was the last disciple to be alive. Don't know. Last apostle to be alive. Don't know, but possibly was. Okay. Okay, how much more did Jesus do that we do not have recorded? Oh. Tons. Tons. Jesus performed many other signs and miracles in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So, I already asked that one. Why would they only record a portion? Couldn't hear you, Wanda. Maybe all that we can handle. Maybe it is, is it's sufficient. Yeah. Do you need to see everything to believe? Well, yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, and then still didn't believe. His ascension. Buzz through this one. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So this is the end of Luke. Um, where are they now? Where's Bethany? Judea. They're now in and around Jerusalem. What was the last thing Jesus did before ascending? He blessed them. So what did the disciples do just after Jesus ascended? According to Luke? Yeah. No, Luke wrote the same book of Book of Luke and Acts, from what we understand. So in Acts, he talks about the former book he wrote, which would have been the book of Luke, or the Gospel of Luke. And going down into, to, until the day he was taken up to heaven, giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles chosen. 
After suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs. So he talks, kind of gives a summary here. I'm going a little quicker because I'm running out of time. On one occasion, he was eating with them. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak, for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So tell him to stay there. He's in Bethany. He's telling him to stay there. In a few days. Is it a few days? He stayed here for 40 days. Pentecost starts at 50. So in 10 days, they don't know what's coming, but it's coming in 10 days. What is it that Jesus promised the gift? When did he speak about it? Spirit. The Holy Spirit, yeah. And when he was saying, going to Jerusalem the last time, remember he had, he had a long discussion with them. He said, I'm leaving you, but I'm going to send the Comforter. And he's going to show you all things you need to know. He, a lot of discussion he had with them about the Spirit. Okay. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel. So it's still in their head. Mm -hmm. It's still stuck in their brains. He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So, so what's the question? It's the one that's gotten in the way with him really believing who he is all along. You going to establish a new kingdom? Are we going to be great again? What's his answer? It's not that they didn't answer. He didn't even answer it. How many times has he told them that's not what it's about? So in this one here, he went up, he was taken to heaven, he sat at the right hand of God, then the disciples went and preached. Where does he rule his kingdom from? At the right hand of the Father. And we're going to start talking about kingdom. That's my segue. 